If you have your Bibles with you, or there's some Bibles in the pew, I'd like you to turn to Matthew 28 and Revelation chapter 1. We'll be in two separate passages this morning. And as uh, I prepared for this message this morning, this message titled King of the World, I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak this morning on Jesus' authority, on his kingship, if you will. And this first passage is going to be out of Matthew 28, uh, and it's going to be 18 through 20, and then in Revelation we'll be at chapter 1, 17 through 18. But in Matthew 28, what I'm about to read to you, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he began appearing to the followers of Jesus, and 40 days after the resurrection, here he is with his disciples, and he's giving them one last statement before he ascends into heaven. And that's what we're about to read here in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. The Bible says that Jesus came to them, them being the disciples, I just described, the disciples, and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. In other words, I want you to tell people about me, and I want you to teach them my ways. And then Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Powerful passage. One day a pastor was sharing this very passage to his congregation, and afterwards a gentleman met him out in the back and said, Pastor, I just want to tell you, I learned something today. And the pastor said, oh yeah, well what's that? And he said, I never knew there was a disciple named Shirley. <laughs> oh, just testing the waters here. You know, Surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Just seeing if you're awake here this morning. That'll be my last joke this morning, just telling you now. <laughs> Wrong Shirley, Shirley. So fast forward now to Revelation chapter 1. If you want to turn your Bibles there. This is about 60 years later. Now John was one of the disciples that was there when Jesus ascended into heaven. He heard Jesus' words. The very words I just read to you. He was there. He heard them. Now John was about that business. He wanted to tell other people about Jesus. He wanted to teach them about Jesus' ways. So much so that he began to get persecuted for all this. In fact, they threw John in a pot of boiling oil to, to kill him so that he would keep his mouth shut and they wouldn't have to worry about him. Well, he didn't die. And so to keep his mouth shut even further, they send him off to an island figuring, we'll just exclude the man from all society and we don't have to worry about him talking about Jesus. So they throw him off to this island called Patmos. And here he is on this island 60 years later and Jesus shows up to him on this island. And we're about to see this encounter, and it's funny, they try to shut John up, but what happens to this encounter is John then writes this revelation, and that's where we get this last book, Revelation. Jesus showed up to John and gave him what things are going to look like in the future. So in verse 17, John says, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. He says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. 
And he says, I hold the keys to death and Hades, or hell. I hold the keys to death and Hades. What Jesus is saying there is, I have all authority, I have all power, and I have all control over death and hell. Now, we just heard Jesus' words regarding his authority. He declared it himself. I have all authority. It's been given to me. Now, this phrase, all authority, I just want to break this down. This phrase, all authority, means he has absolute rule, like a king, all right, a monarchy, the kingship. Jesus holds this authority because of what he did for us on the cross, paying the price for sin and gaining all power, like I said, all control and all authority over death, sin, and Satan. Jesus is the king of kings, king of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. Now, every king has a kingdom, and I want to take a moment to, to sort of break this down. Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's written all throughout the Gospels. Jesus was talking about his kingdom. Now, a lot of people thought he was there to take care of the Roman oppression that was over them. This, this government had come in and started oppressing the people and taxing the people. And here Jesus, their king, shows up and they're thinking, hey, this guy is going to you know, basically take care of Rome and we're going to be liberated. We're going to be free from that. But when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, he was talking about the rule or the reign of God in your heart. So it was inside your heart. And, and he wasn't there to demolish the Roman Empire as they thought. He was there to demolish sin and what separated us from God. And so the rule or the reign of God in our heart is the kingdom of God. Of God. Now, there's another kingdom, though, that's in direct competition over your life. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible talks about this. This is called the kingdom of Satan. Now, I want you to listen to some passages that have this title that they've sort of given Satan as the kingdom of Satan and the ruler that he is. In John 12, 31, and uh, also 14, verse 30, the Bible calls Satan the prince of this world. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the Bible calls Satan the God of this age. And in Ephesians 2, verse 2, the Bible calls Satan the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, in the spiritual realm, this is the kingdom that you and I were born into this kingdom. This is the kingdom we start in. This is the kingdom that we sort of set ourselves in default. We are here in the kingdom of Satan. You're enslaved to this kingdom. And the root of this kingdom is pride. Maybe another way to put that is self-worship. Self-worship. You get to call the shots. You get to make the decisions. You get to rule and you get to build your own kingdom. So you think. Because see, in the kingdom of Satan, it's a deceptive kingdom that holds you captive to sin and leads you down a path of destruction. I want you to listen to a couple of these passages. This is Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says, For God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. And in Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says that you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature and that it had not yet been cut away. And then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all your sin. 
And he canceled the record of the charges that are against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And he disarmed, and that word disarmed means he stripped off, he stripped off the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So the Bible is very clear. There's two kingdoms, kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan. Over here, there's sort of this self-worship, this pride. You get to think you call the shots, and it's really deceptive, though, because Satan's just going to lead you down a path of destruction. And this amazing transfer, though, into the kingdom of God is not automatic. Keep in mind that the verses I just read to you were written to people who had already chosen Jesus. They had already made that transfer over to the kingdom of God. So it's not just something, hey, Jesus died on the cross, so hey, we're all good to go. God says, no, you have to now choose me. And even though Jesus has all authority, he gives you and I the freedom to choose the ruler of our life. And I want to be rather blunt this morning, but if Jesus is not the ruler of your life, then let me put this as simply as I can. You're not a part of the kingdom of God. According to what Scripture says, if Jesus is not the ruler of your life, you're not a part of the kingdom of God. So I want to take a moment to break down this kingdom talk here, and I'm going to use the word rule to do that. And so the first thing is, in the kingdom of God, we have to receive Jesus Christ as our king. We have to receive him into our life as Lord. We invite him to come and sit on the throne of our life and say, Jesus, I want you to rule my life. So we received him. This is what we mean when we say we got saved or, or we came to know Jesus is we've received him in our life and we've placed him on the throne of our heart. Jesus is now our king. The next thing is we have to understand that it's not just a one-time thing. This is every day now we have given Jesus unilateral control to call all the shots in our life. Now, I realize unilateral can be seen in a negative way, but this is God has your best interests in what he has planned for you. He's created you with a plan and a purpose. And he's saying, if you let me sit on the throne of your life and rule, there's incredible things that I have laid out before you. But he gets unilateral control. In other words, it's one-sided. He calls the shots from then on. The next thing is, is each and every day now, you and I, we live for the advancement of God's kingdom. Just like Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples and I want you to teach them all the things that I have commanded. And so what we do is we, we tell people, hey, we want you to know about Jesus, this king. And we want you to know about his kingdom and we want you to invite him into your life and sit on the throne of your life. We live for that now. So when we go out and we go to our uh, you know, family Easter's and maybe you're about to eat lunch with people who aren't saved today, guess what? You can live for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Introduce them to the king. Or maybe you're going to step out into your workplace on Monday. You can introduce those you come into contact every day with the king. My last point in regards to the kingdom is we eagerly anticipate the king's return. He's coming back. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible is very clear about it. Jesus spoke a lot about it. He said, here my kingdom's going to be set up, but I'm going to come back. And so we eagerly anticipate 
the king's return. We look forward to this future kingdom. Now let me break this down for a second. When I say future kingdom, you go, wait a second, aren't we a part of the kingdom now? Well, yes, it's true. If you've received Jesus into your life, the kingdom of God is the ruler, the reign of God in your heart. But there's a day when Jesus is literally going to step foot back onto this earth and he's going to set up his kingdom. And you can touch it and, and you can taste what his kingdom is going to be like and you'll see it. It's going to be glorious. Heaven on earth. But here's the thing. You have to respond to him now to be a part of it then. See, the kingdom of God is a now but not yet. Like it's coming. When he comes back, he's going to literally set up his kingdom. And the days that you and I, we take breath and we have life, God gives us the opportunity to respond to him. And so he's asking us, have you made, have you made me Lord of your life? Because how you respond to this now determines where you'll be then. And I just want to take a moment to share something that I heard last week. I met an individual and he had shared this story and I asked, hey, can I use your story? Uh, I think it's powerful. And he said, absolutely, you can go right ahead. And the story was his daughter w was uh, a sort of invited to sing at a friend's wedding in Seattle, Washington. And it was an elegant wedding. I mean, just decked out, very expensive, and just an experience, just a, an unbelievable experience. She sang at the wedding, and then following the wedding, there was a reception in a big, tall skyscraper in Seattle. And it was like one of the very top floors is where they were going to have this reception. And it was just, I mean, really expensive, really extravagant, really elegant. And when they got to that floor, there was a glass staircase that led you up to the reception. And so it was just beautiful. And they could not wait to be a part of the reception. And they got to the glass staircase, and there was a gentleman there who sort of had a, a podium and, and had a list of names of the people who were able to go up to the reception. And so they went up to the gentleman, and they gave him their names, and he starts looking through and ready to just check them off and send them on their way up, and, and he starts to get a little confused. And he, he says, you know, this is strange. He says, I'm not seeing your names on this sheet. And they will surely, I mean, we, we've got to be in there. I mean, I, I sang at the wedding. I mean, I've got to be in there. I'm, I, th there's something wrong. There's a mistake here, clearly. And the gentleman said, you know, I'll keep looking and I'll ask some questions. And he, as, after a while, he just said, you know what? It, we cannot let anyone up there that is not on this list. And so, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to attend. And so they escorted them to the elevator and, and down they went. And they got in the car and they were headed, headed back to where they were staying. And the gal just started bawling. And it hit her. Yes, she was singing in the wedding, but she forgot to RSVP to the reception. You see, guys, God gives us a choice. Do we want to let him be the Lord of our life? 
we going to let him be the king that he's declared he is and have authority in your life? And as we close this service this morning, I have a few questions I just simply want to, want to ask for all of us here in this room. Have you allowed God to really sit on the throne of your life? In other words, have you responded? Have you responded to him? Another question is, is there any area of your life where you haven't given him total control? Maybe you have responded and you've placed him on the throne of your life, but there's still areas in which you say, no, this is mine. Is there any area that you haven't given him total control? And my last question is, is there anything in your life that you just simply want to surrender to him? You recognize Jesus, you said all authority is yours. And so here's whatever I'm walking through. Here's whatever I'm dealing with. And I just simply lift it to you. I lift it to the throne. And in response to this, we're going to listen to a song here. But during this song, I, I just ask that you would allow God to speak to your heart. And ask him to show you any area in your life where you're not letting him rule. Or allow him to show you any area that you just simply want to lift to him and say, God, I, I need you to take this. Maybe for some of you, you're sitting here and you're saying, this, I'm going to surrender my life today. It's the first time I've ever allowed God to have authority in my life like this. And you're going to surrender your life completely unto him. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you feel like you've sort of become complacent in your relationship with Jesus. You, one day you gave him control, but then since then you just haven't really been serious about it. And so maybe this morning you're saying, I want to rededicate my life to the king and let him have all authority. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and there's, there's a sin issue in your life. And you need, to, you need to lay that before the throne and say, God, here you go. You say maybe there's an issue with alcohol or maybe sexual sin or an issue of unforgiveness or bitterness or maybe the words that you speak. Maybe there's a language issue or, or how you're speaking to other people. God wants to take care of that. He wants authority there. Or maybe you're here and you're just saying, God, there's a situation I want to surrender to you with my family, with my job or my health. I just want to surrender it knowing that you have all authority. So here's how we're going to respond. Right where you're at, let God speak to your heart and then surrender whatever it is that he places on your heart. And if you want to take it a step further this morning, there's an invitation that you're, you can come forward. And, and I have this throne, and I've referenced it several times. This is the throne of your life, just thinking about who's ruling in my life. And I have these little strips of linen cloth, you know, as I read this morning that this is what was left in the tomb. So representing resurrection powers, understanding that Jesus can handle whatever you give him. But on top of that, I want you to know that if you come forward and you'd like to do this, whatever you put here, just like in the tomb, that's what was left. Jesus was gone, but that's what was left. And whatever you give him control of today, and whatever you surrender to him today, just recognize this is where I've left it. Because we have a tendency that we give God control and then two days later we come back and say, I'll take that back again. You know what I'm saying? So recognize this is something that we're leaving here today and we're saying, God, 
I want you to have all authority, and I want you to rule. Would you bow your heads with me as we, as we pray together? Jesus, in this moment of worship, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. And I ask that you would reveal to us any area of our lives that we need to surrender to you. And Lord, I recognize in a room this large with this many people, there might be some folks here today that they want to give their lives to you for the very first time. Or maybe they, in this moment, they just simply want to rededicate. Recognizing that, Lord, I just ask those individuals to pray with me quietly in their heart and just say, Lord Jesus, I want to be a part of your kingdom. And I want you to rule in my life. Today I receive you and I give you control. I confess my sin to you and I ask for forgiveness of that sin. And help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While this song is playing, I invite you, if you feel led, to come forward. There's an invitation to do so.
folks, he's the king of the world. Give him authority in your life. Give him authority in your life. In a moment here, we're going to dismiss, and, and there's a nice Easter brunch that we'll all get to be a part of and fellowship together. But I just want to encourage, if there's anybody else that, that you maybe want to, want to come up here and do this, as people are heading out, we'll just uh, continue to, to just offer this opportunity to come forward. And if you want to do that, if you want to just make that something a part of your morning here, that's great. We'll invite you to still come. Also, in the back, we've got our offering plates set up. We didn't pass the offering plates this morning. We just felt if you want to give, you can give on your way out. And uh, let me pray this morning as we close and also pray over the meal as well. So bow with me. Father, we just thank you so much that you have all authority and that you've come and you've defeated sin and you've defeated Satan and, Lord, you bring life. And so we recognize that and we thank you that you are the king of the world. Help us to live that way. And Father, we thank you for this food. The hands that have prepared it have been here putting several hours in just this morning, but also many hours this week to serve us. And we thank you, Lord. We ask your blessing over those individuals and also the food and the fellowship. And also, Lord, for your anointing over the second service this morning. And Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.